S-A-M-I-R-Y-E. Sammy Rye here with another one of those podcasts with Sammy Rye. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We're going to touch on some shakeups in Hollywood. Basically, we're talking about Ant-Man's newest movie, Quantumania, Creed 3, and Cocaine Bear. And there's a little three-way dance going on here that I have to address. We're also going to talk about getting back into old you know, habits, old skills, different things. How to kind of get back on that horse and refresh yourself. I have some interesting news, some things I'm doing this week. I want to touch on that. Also, I'm going to look over my wish list on Amazon. I have some art books I want to highlight. There's some great deals on these amazing art books. I want to talk about why I want to talk about that, basically, on the show. Also, we're going to look at the Epic Store. We got the free content coming out again, beginning of the month. And also some paid content I want to highlight. We don't talk about that a lot on the show. There's a lot of other assets that are pretty cheap that you might want to add to your library. And we're going to take a look at that. Also, movie of the week. Also, song of the week. I hope you guys are having a great time. Let's get into it. So the first things first, let's let's hop into this whole Hollywood thing, right? I have, I have a video that I'm going to start working on soon. I want to talk about that, but I also want to get into this Hollywood thing. We're going to do a little movie, little movie mashup this week, right? Um, so, you know, I'm a big Marvel guy. I like Marvel, but I also like Hollywood. I like, you know, that last year, Top Gun, obviously everyone knows, did, did big things for Hollywood, showing that other films that aren't Marvel films can still make money and still be good, still be really good films. And I really think this, like, onslaught Marvel has done, a lot of times, you know, creators paint Marvel as the bad guys. But really, I've always felt like there's a lot of other people out there who aren't stepping up and aren't making really awesome movies that make you want to go to the movies and not see things that aren't Marvel. Let's do a quick rundown of who, who is doing that, right? So while the last maybe 10 years, the John Wick franchise has come out, and that's proven that you can still do action films. Now, I would think after that, you would have maybe 10, 12 other copycats come out, but it's, it's not the case. It's really just John Wick. There have been very other few you know, stylish action films that are must-see films, and when you know they hit the theater, you've got to go see them. It's been John Wick. Um, some people like Equalizer. That was pretty cool. Uh, that's it. That's the list. There's no one else really that's doing it, and I think that's as crazy that you see that this is how it works, and that other people don't come out and do it. You know, Warner Brothers has struggled. Hopefully, they're about to get their act together. They've had some good movies. Some movies aren't so great when it comes to their superhero movies. Eh. Universal does Fast and the Furious. That's the only other thing out there that you can look forward to during the year. And that film, while I love those films, and they have lots of fun, action, and spectacle, those films are sometimes, you know, when it comes to the believability of it, I think they don't have that card that Marvel has where Marvel can be like, we're a superhero movie. Um, since we, you kind of expect the Fast and Furious to be a little more grounded, they, they've gone off in the superhero territory, but like, I think sometimes people don't, don't enjoy that you know, they get pretty ridiculous. I do. I don't care. Um, but those are the only films that have really been doing it. And then Top Gun came along last year and really, like, you know, I think dealed a big blow to the idea. They kind of made God bleed, right, to take that line from Iron Man 2. They showed that, you know, other people can make good movies and they can go toe-to-toe with these other Marvel movies. Come along this year to Ant-Man, you know, and the Wasp, Quantumania. And it's a movie I enjoyed. Was it the best Marvel movie ever? I don't know. But I thought it was interesting. I thought it was different. I'm not a big fan of the quantum realm. I think when you get very abstract and away from things that we kind of can relate to, um, it's a little hard. It And it's not space. You know, it, it looks like space, like a, how a space movie might be, going to weird planets and stuff. 
I just think the quantum realm is such an odd concept that it becomes really hard to grasp what this is. I don't know if people want to go to the quantum realm, but word of mouth is a big deal. That's probably the only real form of advertising when it comes down to it, because if a movie comes out, people said they saw it. They, if they're not raving to their friends, you got to go see it. That's when you start seeing these big box office drops weekend after weekend for movies. And Ant-Man is hurting. Ant-Man has had two really big drops. Um, it seems like everyone's trying to make it seem like, oh, no big deal. But I was expecting at this point they'd be about 600, 700 million in, kind of cruising their way to maybe 800, 900 million, maybe even cracking a billion. Because it's a big film. It's supposed to be the first film in their new phase. It introduces Kang which is their next Thanos, and he's really featured heavily. Um, the actor's performance is great in the film. And I think I looked it up, and it seems like Ant-Man's around $400 million out of the third week. And that does not seem good. They only brought in $12 million domestically this week, and that's about 70% drop-off, almost 65% to 70% drop-off, basically, from last week. And that trend happened week before that, so... Even if they hit another 10, 12 million a week for the next four or five weeks, they need to kind of crack the 500 billion, or 500 million, I mean, to, um, I think, to beat their record for Ant-Man 1, which is ridiculous. They, that should not even be with the goal, right? They should be going way past that goal. But they definitely don't want to come in and, and make less than the other Ant-Man movies. That would be insane. But, you know, Creed 3 came out. Creed 3 had a huge opening weekend, set franchise records for those that film series. Um, and also, Cocaine Bear, you know, last week caused some, some problems for Ant-Man. I can see why a lot of people thought, this is ridiculous. I'm going to go show up and watch that this weekend with my friends. So, you know, immediately people are watching other films. Next week, they go see Cocaine Bear. Week after that, they're going to see Creed 3. And that's good for Hollywood. It's good to see that other people are making films that are interesting and people are talking about it and going to see other things. It's not great for Marvel. And I don't know, you know, necessarily what could be the thing. I mean, you know, Ant-Man, I've always enjoyed Ant-Man, but everyone I ask about Ant-Man who hasn't seen the film say, hey, you're going to go see Ant-Man? They all kind of react like, I feel like I could skip that one. And I even think the director had mentioned that, you know, that the people have kind of treated Ant-Man that way in the past. And this time it'd be different. So I don't know if maybe Ant-Man already has that reputation and people aren't giving it a chance. Maybe the film would do better on streaming. Um, I enjoyed the film. I thought it was a good showing for Paul Rudd as Ant-Man. However, I guess the film has been, you know, kind of a funny film in the past. And people might not realize that, you know, this one's supposed to be more serious. And then even some people I've seen, have seen it said, yeah, they still don't feel like it was that serious. It's, it felt like it was kind of a teaser. Um, there's something that's missing in the MCU. And obviously, it's those big, big main characters, those big heavyweight actors that we've come to love over a decade not being there. If they're not there and they're not in danger, so far it doesn't really feel like it matters that much. And that is problematic. I don't know when that's going to stop. I don't know when the next film is going to be or the next TV show is going to be that's going to click and make everyone say, okay, now it's time to really really care about the MCU, they teased a lot of characters. You know, if I look about a guy like Moon Knight, that's cool, I know who he is, but he doesn't even seem anywhere near related to the other characters. So how long is it going to be before Moon Knight matters with the other characters? Will he ever matter with the other characters? That's an example. Things like The Eternals, another film that people criticized, it had bad reviews, um, and didn't do great at the box office necessarily. I mean, it made some money, but it didn't do you know what I think they wanted it to do. Um, it's another film series where it feels like it doesn't matter. It feels like they're so separate from everyone else. 
obviously there's a plan. At some point, these things are supposed to come together. But I don't know. I just feel like it's it's, it's they're on shaky grounds over there. And um, I really don't know. I mean, I enjoyed the films, but I think it's, it's Hollywood coming out, doing some things, and... You know, showing them that they could, other, they you know, they can make other films. People are kind of stepping up, saying, "Hey, we can make other interesting films," and they don't have to break the bank. I mean, these films aren't two hundred million dollar films, Cocaine Bear and Creed Three. They're they're films that are made with decent budgets, and they're bringing back really good returns. So Marvel had said at one point they were going to be making lower budget films, and if Ant Man and the Wasp, or, you know, Quantumanium was made for like a hundred million, you know, getting five hundred, six hundred million back wouldn't be a bad thing. But that's not the case. I believe that film had a budget around two hundred million. Heavy, heavy in the visuals department. The credits, watching the credits roll in that film, there was like a thousand people who worked on it. It was like the longest credit I've ever seen with CGI people and special effects people, special effects companies. I think maybe that might also be a thing where I would look at that and say, Hey, look, you know, you want to have special effects and stuff, but this might have been way too far. Um and, and they did it, they showed it. The quantum realm's there. There's some concepts that have been teased. At this point, I don't even know if it's about, you know, crowd education anymore. I think the crowd understands and they don't care. Marvel wants to time travel, they'll time travel. You want to bring people over from other movies? You could do that. I don't think anyone really cares anymore. So I feel like the education piece that they've been doing for a long time with Loki, uh, maybe even Loki season two, um, you know, uh, the Eternals. There's been a lot of films that have been educating us on all these crazy concepts in the Marvel world. And I think the mythos has gotten so big so fast that I think this might be something that hurts Marvel. It's setting up for the future, definitely. I think they're doing a lot of you know planning and trying to set up things for the future. But um, in the meantime, it's been rough as a Marvel fan, I think, to really get behind a lot of this stuff and be able to say, yeah, this is, this is 100% what everybody wants um, it kind of be nice if there was just one or two franchises that were really moving that main storyline along. I did see No Way Home the other day because, you know, it's not on the streaming program. So I had to, like, find it on Showtime, I think it's on there. And No Way Home is such an amazing movie. Um, and again, more grounded, more simple, right to the point of what the character's dealing with. A lot of this stuff Marvel's been doing recently has been characters explaining the Marvel Universe. And I think that's really what's been hurting those films is it is not about the characters anymore and showing you what they're going through. It's really been all this groundwork being laid for this bigger Marvel landscape. And um, hopefully they can get away from that soon. Let me see what the next Marvel movie is on the, the list. Um, I, I want to go look at the lineup here. And let me see what's the next one. Because I don't even know now. I was looking so forward to Ant-Man. That I'm not sure what the next MCU movie is supposed to be. So let's do this real fast. MCU lineup for 2023. One second. 2023 here and we have what if shows are kind of fun again i don't know if anyone feels like they need to see that the tv shows um, we have secret invasion I, I think that could be a good show but i don't know again it's going to tease another concept you know um i believe aliens you know impersonating people this is a whole other concept to you know to understand then you got guardians of the galaxy 3 which looks good and it's the last one in that film franchise so maybe people might show up to see that but also Guardians, another franchise, is kind of like outside of the main Avengers and stuff. What they do in space don't always feel like it matters here. Um, I think this one's going to be more on Earth, but still, we have to see how that goes. Echo, the TV show, is the weirdest TV show in their lineup since they announced it. I do not understand what made them think everyone needs Echo. 
I feel like Echo is a new character. That in a way, they're kind of trying to shove down everyone's throat. Um, I don't know if there's a lot for Echo to do, but that mean Kate Bishop was already one. I thought, well, that's a that's a brand new character. Um, I don't know if everyone's gonna get behind Kate Bishop. I did like that show, but I think Hawkeye helps out a lot in that show. So I don't know how Echo or who else is gonna help Echo if Daredevil's gonna be on there, Punisher. I don't know, but we'll see. Um, Loki season two. I don't know. We'll see. The Marvels. That's the next movie we got in November. I want it to be good. I'm a big fan of Captain Marvel. The idea of Captain Marvel, at least, I don't feel like her films have really, you know, hit home yet. Um, but I think they should. I think that should be like Superman when it comes to the Marvel. I don't know. And then Ironheart TV show comes up this year. I want Ironheart to be good. But after Wakanda Forever, I do not know. So that's a whole year of I'm not really sure how much we can really, you know, say that these are going to be the heavyweight films um, maybe next year, 2024. And this is something that's, you know, when we think about Marvel, in the first few years, there wasn't so much anticipation because you knew you had to do Iron Man 1, Captain America, Thor. Then they did Avengers, right? Then you did Iron Man 2, then they did Avengers. And, you know, it was a slow build and there was a lot of nothing in between. Now there's a ton of stuff every few months, which is amazing. It's amazing to live in that kind of world, but it just doesn't feel like every single thing is something you need to read. I do know in the world of comic books, it's like that, right? You go to a comic book store, you don't read every comic book in the store. So maybe it's just weird for us to feel like we can skip so much of this stuff. Maybe it's not all meant for every viewer, but it's a lot of content. So you have a lot of content to watch. Is it all must-see content? I don't know. Again, I enjoy the content, but you got to address the fact that it looks like a lot of people aren't watching this stuff as much as before. I mean, $400 million, that's that's less than half of the usual Marvel audience showing up. That's a big, big dip. Um, and it doesn't look like that audience is showing up soon. So maybe they all think that you can just wait for streaming. I don't know. Big questions over there and something I really want to talk about. So that kind of segues into another little thing I want to talk about. Getting back into old habits, getting back into skills. This is something I think I picked up. I got really good at doing this. You know, being able to put down hats and pick up other hats over the years. Um, This week, I'm planning on doing a music video or starting the process of doing a music video. And I haven't done a music video in a really long time. But I used to do music videos. And I like to, you know, build myself as a writer-director. And I've been doing writing for a lot of years. And I have not really had a project that excited me. When it came to video, I did not want to do any COVID videos, any like me in my house by myself kind of thing. Um, and then after COVID, I thought, yeah, let's go back out into the streets and, and get running. And I just didn't see a lot of projects that I was excited about. Some of the projects I did get excited about, wasn't able to get anybody together to do them. But I think I got one going. And at first I was a little worried about, you know, man, I haven't picked up a camera really and, and done this in a long time. But thanks to a lot of experience I've had with art recently, I really learned how to really sink into a skill, give it a few days, get warmed up, get back at it again, and go at it, and really kind of just get back on that horse. I think what happens with a lot of us is sometimes we feel like we can't do a lot of different things. But I think we don't really give ourselves enough credit for how fast the human mind can adapt and pick up the change. And you know this in life because life forces you into changes. Like if you go find like a new job or you move to go somewhere else, that can happen easily, right? Like you can be in a situation where you're not doing something, you had to do something else now, it's uncomfortable for a little bit, and then after like maybe a week or two, you get back at it again. And I feel like this is the same thing when it comes to art. Where I recently, I've really kind of digged into my art, and yes, maybe in maybe four or five days, I could definitely feel a giant improvement 
to where I'm not only back to where I used to be, but now I'm already making progress into new areas. And it really comes from trying to, I think I like to break up my day into two parts, my like AM activity, my PM activity, kind of like the things I plan on doing in the morning, things I plan on doing at night. And it's not necessarily a time zone kind of thing, like it or, you know, it's not always related to time. It's just two parts of my day. So one thing I want to get done in the morning, one thing I want to get done in the night, you know, practically five days a week. If you get an extra six a day in, that's a bonus. And I definitely think there's a seventh day where you just need to rest. Just take some time to yourself. If you want to do that thing again, go ahead. I just don't know. I don't really feel like at that point is that beneficial because then you're about to go into another five days next week. So like you don't need to create a streak that's that long. But just taking out an hour for yourself, you know, really just learning something, brushing up on something, watching some videos, getting yourself in the mix, and then also like trying to do something with it and making those mistakes that's super important. You know, making, when you're doing art, when you're doing art with your hand, I think this relates to all kinds of art, even cooking, anything else you're doing. You got to make mistakes. You got to allow yourself to make the mistakes. There's a lot of theory and education you can get from just kind of brushing up. I like, I like to keep notes. I look up on notes. But I find the most big breakthroughs come from just doing the stuff that you're trying to do with your hands, actually getting in there and making those mistakes and, be, and re- giving your chance, you know, give yourself time to realize what to do. So if you're like, for my situation, I have, you know, dates I have set up for these videos. I want to make a lot of those mistakes before I get to the date, right? So I'm going to go ahead and make sure that every day I'm recording something, editing something, testing something, where before when I first used to do videos, and I think they came out okay, we would kind of just show up and then on a whim, we would just go at our instincts and kind of go through a video and see what we had, kind of make something out of nothing. I think those went pretty well. But now I realize over the time, over the years that, that that instinct is still there, that you always hear directors talking about showing up someplace and things not working out and you have to do something else. But I'm definitely excited about finally getting to showcase my skills and all the things I've learned over the years and having that practice that goes into it. On my own, like I'll record things now, like I'll record an action figure, I'll record, I have a mannequin head that I record, like all kinds of different things I'll mess with and, you know, just grinding that out and really focusing it in, I feel like it's going to be a big improvement by the end of the week. You guys are hearing this on Thursday, but I'm recording this on Monday, so this is like, you know, I'm shooting, I'm calling my shots basically. Um, and then, yeah, in this process, we should be going on hopefully for like about the next month or so. Um, it's gonna. I'm a, this this one is gonna take as long as it needs to take, and it's also a different thing than we used to do. We used to have much tighter deadlines, but I'm really looking forward to that and really experimenting with my friends again and trying some new things and seeing what we can come up with. I'm really excited about that. So I wanted to touch on that with you guys. If you guys are out there, you know, you're looking to do something, just get out there, start making those mistakes, get back at that. I hope that inspires you guys. I had some good conversations with friends over the weekend. They inspired me. They shared that they had the same kind of experiences. And I think it's something we need to put out there more. I think a lot of times we look to put out that perfect product, but go out there, make some mistakes, have fun, get your hands back into the dirt, and do what you love doing. That's really the whole point of the whole thing. I think we lose sight of that so much with all these how-to videos and all these things. So I hope you guys are having a good time with that this week. And I'm hopefully got some videos and footage and stuff like that. I can show you guys in the upcoming weeks. Music of the week. This week I want to highlight Johnny Cash. I had my seven-year-old daughter listening to Johnny Cash with me this weekend and she loved it. And I think that's something that is just absolutely amazing, right? People do not talk about, you know, how music should e- exist beyond generations. And um, and my some of my favorite Johnny Cash. I mean, I love the classics. I love like Ring of Fire, um, you know, all those those hits. But my favorite Johnny Cash music is Hurt. 
um, and God's Gonna Cut You Down. Those are my favorite songs from Johnny Cash, which come from his um, albums America 4 and then America 5. Uh, I believe America 5 is a post-mortem album. Um, and th- those those songs that he put out when he was older and the way his voice sounded, I there's just nothing like it. I can't think of other artists that sound like that and capture that. And I, I've recently been asking myself a question a lot. My friends brought this up recently. Why don't people that are older make music? It seems like there's definitely in the entertainment industry an age thing that happens around the 40s and 50s where they kind of stop. And I think it's really because the artists aren't able to evolve and figure out how where their voice now can be, you know, in the spectrum of life. And I think Johnny Cash is one of the only people who've had obviously tons of hits um, throughout his career. And I'm not going to pretend that I really can fathom Johnny Cash's career because he has so much music. I was preparing for this segment, trying to wrap my head around his career and from everything I know about him, I still feel like I know like 5% of his music because he has so many songs and so many albums to go through. Um, but yeah, these songs, that you know, when I they hit me, I guess, in the early 2000s, and I feel like they just cut through all the noise. So like when Hurt came out, you know, this is still like MTV era where like, you know, all these young, uh, cool people are doing all these songs and a song like Hurt shouldn't be, you know, a really big song and have a, a video with an old man in black and white kind of just talking about something. But it did. It resonated with people. I feel like everyone who heard that song could relate to it. And really just, um, you know, um, I don't know, like it, it just really was something completely different. And I don't know if people, I, I'm sure the companies gave it money because it was Johnny Cash. But I do feel like those kind of that kind of songs can still make it and still be out there um, for everyone kind of to just appreciate if it was given more of a chance. And I, I don't know like what, the, what that would mean in this day and age, in a social media age. I don't know if it's just you know things trending or algorithms or whatever. I don't know how you would go about that, but I definitely love the, the music. And I love that my seven-year-old loved it. I mean, you look at an artist like Johnny Cash. Let me just look at when he was born, right? Let me look this up really fast. Cause I have a bunch of information on Johnny Cash with me here, but I'm trying to think like you know how how long does a, does a life can can span, you know, musically. I mean, what, let me see what his birth. He was born in 1932, so in theory, in about 10 years, my daughter can still be appreciating Johnny Cash music a hundred years after he was born. Basically, that's insane. That's such an insane number. I don't think I can think of other artists that I could even say that about, right? There's, I'm sure there will be artists that have music that does last that long. And maybe I'm just not thinking about maybe some older artists, like some other Motown artist, or I do love some of that music, or some of the stuff from like the 40s and 50s. My daughter, if I put that on, she definitely likes some of the other songs. Um, I also heard the Chicken Dance this weekend. My daughter wanted to hear that one. That's, that's currently still a hit in, in school, second grade gym class listen to that song but yeah i mean even johnny cash's song um uh, it's not it's not hurt it's one of the other ones one of the first songs my daughter heard when she was like two or three where i realized that she liked um actually no it was hurt it was actually was hurt um one of the first songs my daughter ever actually heard that really resonated with her i have a video of like the first time she was like listening to music and really paying attention to it was the song hurt um and that was like another song that's on my ipad Apparently a song I, I really enjoy listening to every few, every few years. Yeah, Johnny Cash, man. It's just, it's just amazing. And I feel like most Johnny Cash fans really know a lot of his 
earlier work, and that's who they're talking about. But for me, I really like the music off of those last two albums. And I do like some of the other earlier stuff, but that those last albums are just so special to me. So that's my music of the week. I hope you guys give it a try and check it out. Look up Johnny Cash and enjoy it. And definitely DM me, drop it in the Discord. If any other Johnny Cash gems that you think I haven't mentioned or I may not heard of, let me know. I'm more happy to check them out. Let's go. Well, let's get your wish list ready. Let's get your, your, your debit cards out if you're ready to go. But we want to talk about a bunch of things on my Amazon wish list and in my Epic Game Store wish list. There are some really cool items out there. And it's not just for, you know, I like when I talk about art, I like exposing myself to art in general. I like exposing myself to ideas. I feel like if I'm writing something, a picture might inspire that. If I'm writing something, a game might inspire that. If I have an idea in business and I see someone else doing something else in a different sector in business, that might inspire me. I think it's important to kind of cross-pollinate and expose yourself to as much stuff as possible. So let's, let's go ahead and share with you guys some of the things that I've been having my eyes on. Now, it is March, so by the time this podcast come out, I believe the free content for the Epic Game Store should be available. March 6th right now is when I'm recording this. But it's not out yet. So usually it comes out maybe like the 8th, 9th, 10th day of March. That's kind of when I feel like it drops. So the free content, if you didn't get it for last month, you can still grab it. And then as a bunch of other paid content I have on my wish list, I want to talk about some of those things. Also, I'm going to talk about some of these art books. There's some great art books on Amazon that you can pick up. And a lot of them are on sale for ridiculously cheap. And the great thing about these art books is not only do they talk about art, but it's all about the business behind it. How these people started these, these projects that actually got made. They actually made it to the market and the experiences they had. This is just knowledge and wisdom There's, that applies to everything. If you're just listening to these stories and seeing how things work, you can see how are big budget projects getting greenlit and created last year, the year before that, doing it right now. Instead of looking at, you know, Someone who's telling you, oh, 30 years ago I had success. You can hear about these people that you probably don't know their names because they're, they're doing brand new projects that are just breaking through. And they're not like, you know, living legends that you know them so well. But there are people who are getting things done right now, just working people in the business. And we're going to go ahead and highlight all that, right? So number one, when you go to the Epic Game Store, if you, don't, if you haven't checked it out, I've been talking about this for years, right? But if you haven't checked it out, when you go to the Epic Game Store, there's the whole Unreal Engine section, and there's a free section you can go to. And Epic Games has created a bunch of free content themselves. So like the Mannequins Pack just gives you their cool mannequins that they kind of debuted in their Unreal 5 trailer. Um, and it just gives you some kind of character models. You could make and sell a game with those mannequins. They're not really for that. They're kind of used for you to use while you're making the game. But you can come up with a story, you can be creative, you can make something selling those mannequins. They look beautiful. And there's a bunch of other free content that goes along with them that fits in perfectly. And there's just, I mean, there's, there's way too much stuff here. I would avoid the twin motion stuff. The twin motion stuff is stuff for made like, that's more for like architecture, right? So again, if you're an artist or someone who wants to think about like interior design, architecture, these are all things that you could be doing. There's, there's things to be used here in the Unreal Engine, but why, what I see from that, though, is it requires a lot of hard drive space for twin motion files. So, like, they're very high-resolution stuff. If you want to use pose things to take pictures, you could do that, but you got to look. You might need a big external hard drive or something like that. You got to look into those, those little settings, right? Stylized Material Pack by Epic Games. This is like a, a, like a, a pack where you can basically, on a material, have, like, hand sketches so like 3D objects, you know, again, another cool thing, if you went and put down some basic blocks and got this pack, which is free, 
you can start building an environment that looks very artistic, something like the Unfinished Swan, um, and it's free. You can drop the blocks down and start building your level, and your character will move around this level, jump on the blocks and stuff. This is all basic stuff in the free Unreal Engine Maker. If you guys haven't tried it, again, if you have a computer that can run it, it's something really worth looking at. Um, some of the other stuff I have here on my wish list is like paid content. The Assassin Parkour System. This is trending. Only for $30, you can take this system that will show your mannequin and your blocks how the mannequin can basically jump on and move around like it does in Assassin's Creed with a lot of custom animations. So like when enemies are on the map, your guy can attack and kill that enemy off the blocks from many different angles. You just purchase the pack, install the pack into your engine, and your base game is you're already off and running with an Assassin's Creed type game just off of that. All plug and play. He's dropping things in. People do not understand what I am talking about when I say this. You have to try this stuff out. You got to get yourself to a computer. You got to look at this and start exposing your brain to what is possible. Because these are things that, you know, I'll hopefully be using soon in this, this upcoming video project I mentioned. Um, you know, you, you could full on make a video game. I think I see a lot more application for myself when it comes to drawing and then video. But eventually, at some point, I really believe that our children will be in a position where they're going to be looking at the Unreal Engine, trying to figure out what kind of games it can make. And that's why I'm telling you guys, add this content to your account. If you see some things in here, like $15, $30, whatever, it's not a bad thing to purchase one of these things and save that thing away because later on, you don't know what's going to be out there. But these are these are steals. I do feel like the price of this content is going to go up in the future. Once people are realizing they can make money off this stuff, I think people will be charging a lot more for this kind of content that they're placing in, in the Unreal Engine store. Um, there's a ton of stuff from Infinity Blade, amazing, amazing visual assets that you can download all from Epic. And when you're doing like published work, it's like print, uh, print publishing, you have to review the uh, terms of service for yourself. But I believe there's no royalty. They don't require any royalty for print publishing. So if you need like a logo, a mascot for your business, you can come up with some cool flyers, a pamphlet. You, there's amazing visuals that you can just download, position the camera, take some stuff, and then use their photos and not have to give them any, any royalty to that. And they do that because they want people to know about this engine and get into the engine. And then for the video game projects and then the movie projects, there is a royalty. I don't know what the current royalty is set at, but it's something like ridiculous. Like if you make a million dollars, give us 5%. Like, and I, I think anyone would be more than happy if you're able to use their free tools and make a million dollars. I'm sure you'd give them 5%. Like, why would you not want to do that? I don't know. You're be like, I don't want to keep my 5%. I think it's an amazing, amazing program and amazing pay system they have set up. They have a lot of cartoon style stuff. So again, you can buy like, um, you know, low poly Clash of Clans type of a cartoon characters, position them, take pictures of them, use them for art reference. Um, use them to make logos for your company. Again, all this stuff, and these are all free. Poly HP Goblin Archer, for example. Let me show you who this who makes this. I'm gonna give a shout out to the creator of this one here. Downrain DC, that's the developer of it. So these are any of the words you can search in there. You can get your hands on these kind of characters. Um, actually, these here, the Goblin Archer, for example, he's like six bucks. So you get him, you get a few different vari variations of him, drop him into your game, start using him. And he shows you inside here, he has some, some basic animations, walk, run, and jump. I mean, that makes me wonder, like, can you get the goblin and just and plug it in with the Assassin's Creed, you know, pack, or how would that work? He's smaller, so I imagine there have to be some different, like, some problems with that when it comes to the rigging. But these are all things that you could learn about and look into. And there's tons of videos about how to fix these problems and how to deal with them, right? 
Um, maybe you can take the little goblin and make him real tall. Make him the Assassin's Creed body. You have a weird 3D assassin game. Hey, they don't have, they don't have it out there, right? I wish you guys, I hope you guys are going over to the Unreal Engine and checking this stuff out. So much content there. And that's the next thing for me. Like I recently mentioned, I think on the podcast, I was able to fix my credit, get my credit going good. If I make a big purchase in the future, it is definitely going to be on a powerful computer. I think a powerful computer with a warranty, something I can set myself up with the next 10 years. There's just so many different ways to make money with a computer right now. I think there's a lot of opportunities out here there that weren't present before. And I hope you guys look into it and give it a shot, right? So the last thing I want to go over on this segment is my Amazon wish list because I think this stuff is getting ridiculous here. There's so many good sales. I had to basically tell you guys about this stuff. I was doing this last night. I was putting together this long wish list of all this content I was looking at. And let me go to my orders and get this in front of me here. Because I, I was going to stores recently and uh, looking at a lot of different books they have in the store. And I realized I loved art books. I think art books are great because, like, like I said, they tell you the stories about how these things are made. But also they have so much inspirational visuals. And seeing these different things come together are so inspiring. You can look at like a concept art of something that wasn't finished. And that might be spark a whole idea for something else, right? So I'm trying to get my art book list in front of me here. There we go. All right. There are some amazing ones. I can't even believe this stuff is here. The, the Final Fantasy V remake, um, it's called Material Ultimana, because I want to be fancy about it. $25. This is the official Square Enix art book. Um, you know, it talks about the process, the things that went into making it. Hardcover book. I mean, you have used copies for $12. Barnes & Noble's. I don't even understand why anyone goes there anymore. I, I love it. It's nice being there in person. Like, don't get me wrong. But, um, yeah, this, this here, this book is amazing. Let me see how the page count. I love page counts on these books. 336 pages of art, inspiration. There's a video um, review of this book on the, uh, right on Amazon. You can check it out. It is ranked number two in science fiction and fantasy art books. It is $25 brand new. You can get it with shipping and handling not included for $12 used. Um, that is just absolutely amazing. This is number two behind The Mandalorian, another book on here for $20. Uh, Mandalorian, for me, I have some Star Wars art books, so I didn't need like a book completely focused on just that show. But, um, I mean, that's another one to mention. But, yeah, check in, you can check out some of the things on here. They have, I think, two art books from Mandalorian. Both of them are $20. Uh, that's, that's, that's number one art book and the number three art book are both based on The Mandalorian. So if you love Mandalorian, swing by and pick those up. But those are some of the ones that are on here. Uh, yeah, just beautiful, beautiful stuff here, man. Let me show you some other stuff I got going on here and talk about some other things here. Um, now, again, there's another art there's another art and design book, Final Fantasy. It's $50. There's, a, there's a, about three of them, actually. But that's another one there. I don't want to get all in like all Final Fantasy, basically. That's for Final Fantasy 15, the one I'm thinking about, $50. But, um, yeah, there's just so many different things that you can find on here. Another great one I have on my list is The Periodic Table of Marvel, $11. This book is awesome. It talks about, like, all the different elements, like how, you know, the Hulk deals with gamma radiation. Wolverine has adamantium calls. It breaks it down like it's a science book and tells you a bit about their backstories to the characters. But what I like about it is how it approaches it from a science aspect, kind of really trying to show the, the, the materials that make up the Marvel Universe. Again, so like if you're doing some creative writing, this is a whole other way to come at a character or come at a world if you're doing world building, thinking about it from this kind of perspective. And I have another anatomy book on here. Same thing. There's a company who did uh, DC Comics, Anatomy of Metahumans, 
And then there's one that for Marvel also. This uh, let me see the exact title of the Marvel one. See, I don't have the one up here. Basically, they did. You know, you look at Marvel Anatomy, basically Anatomy books, and is they're hilarious because they did these drawings of these fictional characters, but they they're anatomy books, so they show you the insides and inner workings and how they fictionally think their organs and stuff would look. It's very very cool books, very inspiring, very outside the box thinking ideas. Where I feel like I've never seen that kind of thing done for these kind of characters. Gotta check them out. Uh, another great book that's on sale for only $35. Alex Ross is an amazing, amazing painter, amazing artist who's done a lot of work. I think he even painted one of the portraits for the President of the United States. Um, Marvelocity is a book he did. The Marvel Comics Art of Alex Ross. Uh, Alex Ross, $35. Huge, beautiful art book. Again, a whole other style of drawing. Looking at these paintings... He uses human reference. He takes pictures, basically, of his friends. And, you know, they pose. And he basically tries to paint these heroes in a much more realistic kind of looking way. Much more grounded kind of looking way. He has amazing art there. $35 for that hardcover book. Guys, got to check that out. There's another great book, only for $14. Marvel Myths and Legends. The Epic Origins of Thor, the Eternals, Black Panther, and the Marvel Universe. This is an amazing book that gets into, like... All the, the mythos inside of already fictional worlds. Like a fictional world that has its own fiction inside of it. How you break it down. I've seen people who are doing some reviews on this one saying this is the best take on the Eternals. It really shows you the Celestials and explains some of the gods and other kind of characters. that don't really get talked about a lot in the Marvel Universe. Um, and again, 14 bucks. Bunch of artwork, a bunch of reference to all these stories and where they come from. Um, very fun book just to read for, again, those ideas and having all these new things introduced to yourself. But then also a lot of great art if you want to just look at art to get inspired. Next, we got Marvel Monsters, Creatures of the Marvel Universe Explored. This is a really cool book because it mentions that, you know, Marvel Comics start off with monsters. They start off doing things like Swamp Thing, Creature of the Black Lagoon, like that kind of Frankenstein type of stuff. It's really what Marvel Comics or comics used to kind of be originally. And then as the Marvel Universe evolved, they kind of didn't talk about that stuff a lot. And on if you have Disney+, Plus, there's a pretty cool like short movie called Werewolf by Night. They kind of starts to examine some of that and bring, I guess, the possibility of some of those monsters back into the MCU and back into kind of Marvel's more forefront. They have been doing this for the, in the comics for the last few years, too. Um, I think Moon Girl's a character. She, like, runs around with a character called Devil Dinosaur, who's literally a giant T-Rex. Um, I think she has a new cartoon also on Disney+, Plus, made for kids. Um, you know, but I'm sure there's some content there that can be enjoyable for even adults. Definitely some cool books there um, to check out. I, another great book I saw here is Doctor Strange has the Book of Vashanti, which is so funny to me because that's the book that they're talking about in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Now, looking at this book, I am not sure if it's supposed to actually be the full book of the Vashanti or if it's just like breaking down more of Doctor Strange. But it's only $21 um, and something I'm definitely interested in looking more into. But I was trying to gather a lot of these books that I thought were on these lists. It was amazing. I don't know all the details of that one, but that's one I thought was worth mentioning. The other one I have here is Marvel Universe Map by Map. This is a Marvel book that shows you the maps of all these different locations. And I don't even know like how canon this stuff is. But looking at it, it's an atlas book. It's a real book that shows you all these maps of fictional places. So like the anatomy book I mentioned, like the periodic table book I mentioned, I just think these are such cool ideas where they're really, again, outside the box. Not necessarily art books where you're going to sit down and reference, you know, all the art or learn how to draw. 
But there's a lot of beautiful art in these books. And then also a lot of different ideas, a lot of mind-expanding ideas that I feel like when you're exposing yourself to this kind of creativity, who knows what would come out of this? You could be reading this book and then say, hey, maybe I should go about you know, doing a cooking video that explains cooking from a whole other perspective, right? I'm like, yeah, you know, why not, right? Why not just go crazy and just try different things? Um, that's another one that's great. Another trending book is the, the Art and the Making of the Hogwarts Legacy video game. This is $40 right now. Um, that game has amazing art. I think it has some of the best outfits I've ever seen in any kind of RPG game. Um, and they did a really good job making that world look really cool. I mean, the whole scenery, the landscapes of that world, it feels like a really fleshed out world. And unlike games like Grand Theft Auto that kind of copy New York and places that we already know, um, even like Skyrim and stuff, you know, that's an open world game, has kind of like, you know, a lot of grass, trees, mountains, and like a castle. But the Harry Potter world feels so much more fleshed out with so many more details. This, I think, is a beautiful art book. Again, these are one, these are ones that aren't, aren't on sale, but these are just great art books now I'm talking about. About 40 bucks for that one. You probably can find a similar price at your local Barnes & Nobles. But I think, again, with Amazon, two-day shipping and stuff like that, I just think that it's just hard to beat the deals that they offer here. The last ones I'll do a quick rundown. I won't get into every single one of them. But if you're looking for keywords to search and you're just thinking, of, you know, if you're actually just interested in these art, pure art books that are, might, might be a bit more expensive, I think we have um, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice. That art book looks amazing. Elden Ring has two different volumes of art books. And Elden Ring is probably the greatest art that you can see that I think has been produced in the last 10 years by mankind. I really think Elden Ring is just phenomenal. When it comes to fantasy, and you talk about Lord of the Rings or any kind of other you know, classic works, I think Elden Ring is going to be something that humans are going to look back on for a long time because it is absolutely beautiful. I mean, from the sceneries to the characters to the, the creatures, it's crazy. And they have two art books, and they're both $55, basically. Um, and that's a lot of money for art books. I think they actually they're on pre-order right now. I don't even think the books are out yet. And I, I would think that they're actually 100% worth it. I mean, it's just the amount of inspiration and the outside-the-box thinking that goes into Elden Ring is definitely the kind of mind-expanding stuff I'm talking about. When you're looking at these things, you're going to be... All the inspiration can come from to, you know, out of this kind of creativity. It's just infectious. I think it gets into you, and you can use it for all kinds of stuff. Um, the Art of Fallout 4 is a personal one I like. The Art of Overwatch. And even the Cinematic Art of StarCraft. Those are the last three I'm going to hit off my list. These are all books I'm looking forward to eventually getting my hands on. They're more classics. I think the Overwatch stuff I like because it's kind of you know similar to Fortnite art and that kind of cartoonish style. But the Art of Fallout 4 really shows you, again, another great world. And StarCraft, same thing. Another interesting world. When you start exposing yourself to ideas that are outside of what you're used to, I'm telling you, it's going to take you and have you start looking at things from a whole other perspective. So I think that can go into you know anyone who's making music, anyone that's making film, anyone that's running any kind of business. Expose your guys, expose yourself as much as you can to stuff, and Amazon's giving you a lot of cheap ways to do that. Hopefully that list is helpful. That's everything I want to talk about this week when it comes to those art books. Hope you guys check them out. Movie of the week. It's time for a classic. I want to talk about Demolition Man. Demolition Man is, a, is an amazing, amazing film. When you're looking at it, I think from 2023, it holds up in such a unique, unique way because there's so many predictions and things that happen in Demolition Man that came to be real life. And it's, it's weird when you're looking at it as a sci-fi movie because I think a lot of sci-fi films or you know, things out there 
they're like established in like the 80s where like Star Wars sci-fi is kind of stuff that most likely will never happen, right? But those ideas, those fantasy type ideas that were branded kind of sci-fi because it has like technology in it, that, that's something that we see duplicated by a lot of other people who do sci-fi. Demolition Man, I feel like when they created that movie, it kind of predicted what could happen in 2020, 20, like 2000 or 2010, basically. And then a lot of that stuff happened. There's like about five or six different predictions. They used a lot of like prototype cars that ended up being real cars were on the roads. Um, I love how they talked about like, you know, the Taco Bell, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger being, being a politician. He never made it to president, but that was like an idea that they had floated in it. Um, all these little cool things that were sprinkled in that could have been like a future, basically, that they kind of predicted. And even like some of the, you know, censorship and kind of the softness of the future. All these things, were, I think, were handled so well in that film. And what got me thinking about Demolition Man was actually I was walking by a uh, arcade. And I went inside and they had a Demolition Man pinball machine, along with some other new pinball machines like Guardians of the Galaxy. I was like, oh, that's amazing. That's awesome. And you think about Demolition Man is a film, I think, that isn't celebrated or talked about enough. I don't think they're going to do anything like make a sequel or anything like that. I always hear them like bringing that up. But yeah, I think Demolition Man is a classic film where again, when you talk about inspiration, outside the box thinking, there's not a lot of sci-fi films I feel like that are that have the kind of energy and the voice that Demolition Man has. Sometimes I think the uh, sci-fi films are pretty serious and dour, right? Kind of like if you're watching the film uh, Blade Runner comes to mind, right? Like the new Blade Runner even. That's another film that I went to go watch it. I'm expecting some fun and excitement and some cool things. And it's like super serious and bleak. Um, and I, I'm not really a big fan of that because I feel like history has shown us things are constantly getting better. There, there are moments in history where things get bad and there's events that are bad. But overall, humanity is usually moving towards a much more fun, entertaining, positive kind of place where life is easier. And we have a lot more advantages that we didn't have before. Uh, maybe even for better or worse, right? Sometimes that might even also bring its own bad things. But Demolition Man is a fun movie. It's greatly acted by Sloane. And Wesley Snipes is amazing. Great iconic character, Simon Phoenix. I think this still has an impact on culture. I feel like people still reference Simon Phoenix, talk about how he, you know, watching Wesley when he was younger, you know, is the reason why they're doing some of the things that they're doing today. A very different kind of character. Um, I think a lot of times we talk about you know, you know, different actors, different characters. And then we talked about one of the characters last week that Anthony Mackie play, played on, We Have Ghosts. When you're doing, like, an urban character, there's always these, like, archetypes that the studios usually go to. And Simon Phoenix is just wild. He's just a wild, almost Marvel-like kind of, like, villain who doesn't fall into any kind of category. You can look at him and he could be anybody, basically. And I think that he was a, a, you know, Wesley does not get the kind of credit he deserves for a lot of the very unique characters that he was playing in the 90s, um, way before anyone was really trying to break a lot of those molds. I think Wesley was he's outside of those molds. I don't know if he just, you know, refused to be in, in, in those situations. I mean, you got Nino Brown, which is an iconic character. He played an urban character. He played in New Jack City, also one of my favorite movies as a kid. But then you can go around to go see him like in Tu Wong Fu, um, you know, doing, you know, talking about gender, talking about sexuality, Way before this, something was cool. Him, Leguizamo, Patrick, Patrick Swayze, um, you know, amazing, amazing film. Tu Wan Fu still holds up. Very fun film. Um, acted, you know, excellently well by by Wesley. And then also, he's just such an amazing martial artist. You watch him in something like Demolition Man. I love how the film starts where like, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's just like a regular guy, and he has like a, a, a fist fighting scene basically with Stallone. 
And then like when he learns martial arts, he's like amazingly like amazingly good at martial arts. And it, it just really adds to it. His physicality of it is before CGI um, really is a big thing is he just makes it seem like he goes from being just a thug to being a guy who like has these brain, you know, things put into him that help him, you know, master martial arts and be just such a deadly villain all of a sudden. Uh, amazing, amazing work. These are the subtleties, I think. When you watch Demolition Man, if you watch it a few times, and I've watched it hundreds of times at this point probably, um, you need to really pick it up. So if you guys haven't seen Demolition Man or it's been a while, put it on. It holds up in 2023. Great film, great sci-fi film. And um, yeah, I wish there was somehow more that you can do with it. You know, I see that they're making a Robocop game coming out June 2023. It's a first-person shooter. It's in Unreal, like like it should be. That one first thing I saw was, oh, they're doing a big city, and it's going to be all sci-fi and stuff. I hope they're using the Unreal Engine. Of course, they're using the Unreal Engine, right? I just keep talking about this, and you know, I hope anyone remembers I said these things. But um, yeah, Robocop looks okay. I'm not big on the first-person shooter thing. It's made by the studio that did Terminator Salvation. And for Terminator fans, they think that's a pretty solid game. So the RoboCop game should be decent. I think they also have Peter Weller's uh, likeness and voice in the film, which is pretty cool. But um, it was so great to see someone resurrect, you know, Demolition Man. I know Predator, um, Ilphonic did a, a Predator game that was pretty cool uh, recently. And they got Swordsnager to come back. And they kind of expanded on that story a little bit. So I don't think Stallone will come back and do a Demolition Man movie, but maybe him and Sandra Bullock would be open to like lending their voice and their their likeness to some kind of like spinoff or a new next film in the world of Demolition Man. That'd be cool, and obviously they should do it in Unreal Five, right? I mean, you know, can't can't help but plug that a lot. But yeah, that's the movie of the week, Demolition Man. Go check it out.